show shapeshifters do you always draw money from uh, the same atm do you draw it from a bank atm or do you draw it from an atm and you don't really know where it comes from well let me introduce you to a guy who probably put that atm that you didn't know where it came from in that spot and enabled you to draw some money. His name is Stephen Kark. He is a guy who did a, a UK uh, business administration degree, a postgraduate diploma in business administration. He got his uh, Bachelor of Commerce degree at WITS. He spent some time at Interbrand, but he's also the co-founder of ATM Solutions, a business he founded in 1999, 250,000 rand. We love stories where in today's money, there was very little money around and you start a brand new business. But 1999, 250,000 rand was not, not small change, was it? Well, it wasn't enough to really get going, but uh, uh, that gave us the seed capital to kick off the idea of independently deployed ATM machines. Uh, the reality was in South Africa at that time, the ATM environment was totally dominated by the big banks. And you had retail stores, the big rise of convenience stores, supermarket retail, gas station retail, uh, you know, the movement away from the corner cafe. And you had this increasing demand for ATMs and the banks at that stage were either unwilling or unable to provide the service. And that was the gap for us. What sparked the idea, though? What was it in your mind that said, hmm, he has an idea, let's have independent standalone ATMs? The truth is that I actually saw an article in Forbes magazine. Okay. And that's a true story so at the end of re- night. Reading pays? Re- reading pays. I'm a voracious reader, but the... Uh, the business, uh, the business sparked uh, the article sparked an idea that said the South Africa is going through this rapid retail change, and if you go to the U.S., it was a uh, seeing an ATM in every convenience store was commonplace, but that wasn't the reality at that at that time in the late nineties. Uh, we take for granted. We also forget, of course, what it was like. How you, you know, nowadays you fall over ATMs. They're a bit like McDonald's. They're everywhere. It's a utility uh, now. Yeah. Um, and your business. I want to talk about the business model that you've developed over over the last nearly twenty years in this particular business. But let's go back a little bit. Um, you do a BCom at Wits. You do this Bizad uh, degree at Thames University in London. You then go to Interbrand. That that doesn't fit. Why did you go to Interbrand? So it's not. It's potentially not the Interbrand that you're thinking of, Jeremy Sampson's Interbrand, the branding business. Interbrand was actually uh, it was a consumer products company that Interbrand was, needs to work on its, on its branding. On its own branding. So it was actually it was the major subsidiary of a company called Brandcorp, which was a, list, a listed oh, brand co. Okay. And I came straight out of varsity. I actually studied finance, and I was thinking about uh, either becoming a stockbroker or a merchant banker or something else that my mother would have been happy with. But in the end of it, I, I joined uh, uh, the C. The founder of that business as his PA, and I was there for five years. It was a rapid learning curve. We had factories in China, and it was you know this 21 year old kid. It was amazing schooling from handling key accounts and and uh, you know uh, running logistics and working with suppliers. On I mean I, I probably did 45 trips to China, and then I was there for five years. And during that period, we listed that business. It became Brandco, Brandcorp. Brandcorp Limited, and then five years into that, I said, listen, it's time for me to do something by myself. I saw that article in Forbes magazine, and uh, that was maybe the eureka moment. But it's such a nice old-fashioned concept, this idea of the executive PA who is is the personal assistant then to the chief executive. It's very Anglo-American, if you like. Um, Grant Patterson grew up in that sort of role at Mark Lamberti at at MassMart. Um, Is it something that you perpetuate now? I can tell you, 
some of the best people that we have in our company today, and there's 530 people that work at Paycorp, which is our holding company, uh, some of the best people have come through assistant type of roles where you know they work with me and uh, uh, they get to see a lot more than they would potentially in line management you know because you've got sort of a 37,000 foot view of the business uh, they get allocated to projects they get to handle some of the big problems that exist in the business or handle some of the big opportunities that we're busy with and then they get deployed into the business so we've been very very successful at bringing people in through that channel and I can tell you my own experience as being a PA to a, what was who is a fantastic entrepreneur an excellent businessman who is that person Colin that knows okay, his name. Yes, yeah, he's a fantastic guy. You know, he lived down the road from us and he actually had a heart attack before I joined him and maybe under advisement from his doctor to start taking it a little bit easier and uh, uh, he was looking for a PA and I was on my way to go either go work for Investec or maybe one of the mm-hmm. stock brokerages. But wow, let me actually give this a go. I mean, I've always been kind of entrepreneurial by nature uh, and it proved to be actually prescient. Does, does that relationship maintain then as you get older or once you leave that sort of PA role, you cut the apron strings and say, no more, I don't need you anymore, and off you go? Uh, well, I think it's out of mutual benefit. You fulfilled a role for uh, him for a time, and likewise, you were getting a great schooling. And then, But uh, does it go from apprenticeship into mentorship? Still, I mean, do you still could you pick up the phone and yes, go yes. I mean, later? I mean, not to the same extent. Obviously, no. it's twenty-two years ago, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, I've maintained a relationship there. And that's very cordial, very yeah. cordial, and, absolutely. And that that stuff is valuable. Um, when you look at the business of ATM solutions today, more than five thousand ATMs, not in South Africa exclusively, but across Southern Africa. How far north do you go? So. Um, our holding company is called Paycorp. Paycorp was mm-hmm. the business that we uh, uh, that we uh, sold into to form Transaction Capital. Very briefly, and then it was bought up by private equity players last year. Yeah, us and them. Yeah, uh, the management team and them. So basically, the history was we started in 1999. Uh, we started in the ATM business. We built out that business model, and then spinning off from the ATM business is a very large card issuing business, gift cards and payroll cards, stored value cards. We then also moved into uh, point of sale, merchant services debit and credit card businesses uh, and then that was merged with another group of companies, JMR, Jornam and Elevitz mm-hmm. Rossi, the JMR group and that became Transaction Capital. We were part of that stable. I was a founder of Transaction Capital. But it wasn't very long though, was it? Uh, uh, no, we were part of Transaction Capital from 2007, 2008 till 2012, so it's four or five years together with, with Transcap. We listed Transcap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then along came Actus. Actus said, look, they're very active in the uh, payments business. They are their own payments assets around the world. They knocked on the door of Lamberti and said, well, you know, uh, we'd like to buy Paycorp. And he said, well, it's not for sale. And they said, well, we haven't told you what we're willing to pay for it just yet. <laughs> Everything's and, for sale. At which stage he said it might just very well be. Yeah. No, no, the truth was is that, uh, you know, it was a well-considered sale. Uh, then Actus approached me uh, and they said, as the founder of the business, uh, will you co-invest with us? As what really became an unsolicited, what started as an unsolicited offer became effectively a co-funded management buyout. Mm. So myself, together with the executive team, bought the asset out of transaction capital. What did we get? We got a really good shareholder that's got a much more emerging market bias, has a lot of experience in payments, um, got maybe a bit of a healthier risk appetite and certainly a super reputation uh, in emerging markets. So the net result is we've we've got this business now bought out of transaction capital. Uh, we've been quite aggressive on the acquisition front. We've we've bought a few businesses, uh, and so what what's landed up now is a ATM business with nearly five and a half thousand ATMs. We're in uh, we're in South Africa, Namibia, Zambia, and a fledgling business in Eastern Europe. 
what's the model? The model mm. is the ability to deploy internationally and process in South Africa. What does that mean? That means whether you've got a machine in downtown Santon or Vintuk or Lagos or Budapest, yeah. for that matter, for, for the girl that's processing the transactions and doing the administration. It's just a site ID. And that's the benefit of having a RAND-based cost yeah. and international revenue. So that's our model. But you do business in Zambia and Namibia. Roger Jardine, chief executive of this company, tweeted earlier today, came on to explain his thought process, talking about lots of South African companies wanting to do business outside of South Africa on the African continent. At the moment, we're going through xenophobia. And his challenge is to saying to big business, and you're relatively big business, um, saying big business wanting to expand into Africa, how do you expect to be welcomed in other parts of the continent if you're silent about what's happening at home, how scared are you of what's going on with xenophobia? Right? I think it. I think it's scary. I think that uh, it is. We have been as a as a company. Uh, we have been nothing short but uh, welcomed uh, everywhere that we have gone. Uh, we've brought to certain of our markets product and expertise and investment, and we've been welcomed for that. So I think that uh, the current spate of xenophobia is it's it's inexcusable, not sustainable, and I'm hoping that. Uh, that there's no spillover effect on our efforts, us and other businesses yeah. into Africa, because the people have got every right to be angry. Uh, I'm saying the, fo- the foreigners and yeah. the, the, foreign, uh, the foreign governments the, where their nationals are sitting in South Africa. I mean, you must have uh, ambitions to expand to other African countries as well, not just Zambia and Namibia. So, we're in, so the Paycorp Group today is, firstly, uh, we're in four countries on the ATM side. Yeah. We issue cards in 10 countries. And we have terminals, airtime and electricity in six countries. So we're operating in a dozen countries uh, from uh, in sub-Saharan Africa. We're a large card issuer in Southeast Asia, in Thailand and the Philippines, uh, assisting assisting telcos. For example, the, take, for example, the M-Pesa product in South Africa. Yeah. It's got now a card, a Visa card attached to it. That's us. That's us doing the technology and running that system. And that's a solution that we're rolling out around the world of various uh, mobile network operators. So we have aspirations well beyond Africa uh, and to, into another, a couple of other key emerging markets. And what's interesting is so many South African companies going into Eastern Europe, and here you are in Romania. Um, you got the Budapest, Hungary. I beg your pardon. They're, clo- they're right. Yeah, yeah. First cousins. There we go. First cousins. Similar accent. <laughs> no, but much more complicated alphabet in Hungary. Yes, Cheap yes. Is that, that, that alphabet makes no sense. Why? Why choose Hungary? So, uh, interestingly enough. Uh, the Eastern European market, there are certain quirks, actually, as it plays out there uh, in their ATM business, uh, in their ATM environment, a high concentration of cardholders, a low concentration of ATMs, quite healthy revenues and underserviced. And uh, we found good partners. They actually found us. And if you understand geographically where, where Hungary is domiciled, where Absolutely. it's positioned, it's basically in the bullseye of Eastern Europe. So yeah. you are literally from Budapest, you're a couple of hours in any direction in probably to probably half a dozen European capitals. So it's actually, it's, it should prove to be a good Eastern European base. And Bruce, another thing is you always have to be very careful when you're looking for African expansion is to size the prize, really look at what the scale of the yeah. opportunity is. You know, guys, guys ring us up and they say, wow, there's really a fantastic ATM opportunity in, I don't know, Gabon or wherever. Yeah. Really, you say, well, okay, well, how many machines could we do there? They say, well, we can do at least 100. <laughs> I mean, we're doing 50 a month here. Yeah. So 50 a month in South Africa? Yeah. So, I mean, we have Where to, are you putting all of them? A lot. So, you, I, I, I'll correct you in one thing. You might very well be using 
uh, a bank branded ATM in a convenience store, but, but in it's most, yours. it's ours. It's yeah. right. It's managed. Talking to Stephen Clark, and Stephen Clark is the chief executive of. I'm, I'm going to go Paycorp, isn't it? There we go. Oof, getting it right this evening. It's nice for a change. So, Stephen Clark, this isn't an ATM business, though. I mean, it, it's a, a multiple of businesses that are not in banking yet. You are a conduit into banking. You're creating products, but you're not a bank. You're in a sweet spot between the banks and customers. I think so. I think uh, the best way to think of our business is almost an electronic banking division of a bank without having to be owned by a bank. Or having so, to have a banking license. Yeah, and so I think it's a, service, it's a service provider to merchants, to retailers, that in turn conduit transactions to the bank. So things like point-of-sale machines, things like ATMs, card issuing, mobile banking. In a lot of instances, those are facilitated and run by what they call excuse me, what they call non-banks. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, non-bank, you're either a bank or a non-bank. <laughs> That's everybody else in the world. But yeah. uh, so, uh, you know, our industry, it's you're either a bank and you're in this space or you're a non-bank. And, uh, you know, a hell of a lot of the innovation, if you look on the continent, if you look on the continent today uh, where the banks have been, uh, I'd say f- fearful to tread, but you look in Kenya, you look at the M-Pesa product where the, effectively the, the network operators, the cell phone network operators moved into the environment where typically you expected a bank to play. And those are non-banks. No, absolutely. I mean, M-Pesa has been a remarkable Vodacom creation, a Vodafone creation, I beg your pardon. And um, it, it provided a service where service was needed. And you fill that gap as well. You mentioned that many of the ATMs that we use on a regular basis actually belong to you, even though they've got uh, an APSA or a NetBank brand on them. Yeah, so I think that uh, originally we started out putting in ATMs in, in places where the banks ordinarily wouldn't have gone under our brand. It was Cash Express, still mm-hmm. Cash Express today. But then as we got better at doing that job, uh, the likes of the Standard Banks and Ned Banks and some of the other smaller banks thought that that was a whole market segment that they'd like to be providing services to. So why should they do it themselves? Rather work with a specialist. They don't have any of the capex. They have none of the operating costs. They get to have their brand on the machines. They get to keep their portion of the fees without having to do it themselves. So I think that in this environment, the banks are concentrating their efforts primarily on you know, lending and areas that they can, they can make maximum return rather than trying to stay abreast of all the technologies on the ground. There was a time where South Africa's national sport after football was blowing up ATMs. Um, I'm not, I don't want to tempt some lunatic into going to do it again. Um, but there seems to have been a better handle on the security of ATMs in the last couple of years. At Still least. happening. Still happening. It's uh, less reported. But uh, uh, ATM vandalism, uh, either through explosives or grinding or whatever other... Uh, means at hand is still very, very prevalent. I mean, you think about it, you've got a box of money out there. And the load shedding is not helping, I'll tell you, because, you know, when the power's out and you've effectively, you know, a lot of your defenses go. So that's uh, it's been a major problem. How much of a problem is load shedding? I mean, we talk about, uh, there's still optimistic forecasts that we'll get 2% growth in South Africa this year. I'm beginning to wonder how on earth that's going to happen with stage three load shedding day after day. Uh, It's... It's indescribable. It's massive. I mean, we can we pioneered solar powered ATMs. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's perverse. However, you know your ATM might be up, but if the service station that the ATM is in is in total darkness, people are not coming to the site. So, uh, just in our environment, ATMs and and point of sale machines, the the ability for people to withdraw cash or to do transactions and spend. Remember, that's uh, ATM withdrawals or, or point-of-sale yeah. transactions are a bellwether or an indicator of retail spend. Completely. And it is it's a disaster. It's are a we, disaster. Are we using more or less cash? More, much more cash. 
Why? I thought everything was meant to be electronic. We could mobile devices, we could pay electronically, we can uh, use e-wallets and we can um, use credit cards and debit cards and banks have structured their businesses to make it cashless. We're not going cashless at all. No, no, I think that's, tr- I think that's right. I think it's an, it's an amazing thing. If you take uh, the cards that were issued for social grants payments and there are a lot of them. Yeah, the 14, Sasa cards. Yeah. Sasa cards, 14 or 15 million of them. You know, the most common transaction, there's a cash withdrawal on the day of disbursement. So, uh, so All of the money. All of the money. Yeah. So it's, you say, well, you might as well then just go to a, a store and pay with your card and it's there, it's available. But, you know, on day one, they withdraw the cash out. So I think part of it's culture. Uh, you know, cash never breaks, I suppose. You know, it just it works all the time. There's, uh, uh, it's widely accepted. It's totally widely accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our business is it's not wholly cash dependent, although we're primarily an ATM company. But, you know, in order to main, remain relevant in payments, you need to be doing all. You need to be doing yeah. cards. And you're diversifying into that space, Absolutely. into the mobile space. I mean, a little bit like Blue Label Telecoms in, yeah, in some yeah. ways. Yeah, I mean, we're very friendly with those guys. The, their customers are of ours in certain instances, and we're customers of theirs. So, but... Uh, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. If you want to be in the payments business, you can't be a one-trick pony. How big does this business get? Uh, much bigger. <laughs> <laughs> um, b- b- African business, an emerging markets business. I think that uh, I think that we can. Uh, how we build real value in this company. I mean, ultimately, our private equity players will sell us or list us or something. But uh, you build out real value through geographic and product diversification. Uh, and that's what we're going for, to be in more territories with more products. But uh, developed markets or developing markets? Absolutely in, in developing markets. We don't have really any true commercial legitimacy in Western Europe or North America. It's too competitive. The players are there too big. We like going into markets that are a little bit more undertapped, and we don't get scared when we get off the plane and we see some, you know, shacks around us. We say, well, it looks just like home, and, you know, that's where we want to be playing. PayCorp Chief Executive Stephen Cock this evening is our shapeshifter.